Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Cheryl Peretz. I want us to imagine before we jump into the text, think about the most important endeavor of your life that didn't quite go the way you had hoped it would. Maybe you use the word failed. Maybe you use the word it just didn't go that way. Maybe you use some other descriptive. But if you think about that moment, there are so many different ways that we could respond. Most of us probably at some point of our life with this kind of um, experience of that magnitude might have responded with tears, with anger, with frustration, with wanting to blame the world or blame ourselves. And what I want us to do is to go back to creation. And I want us to look at what God seems to do when God realizes that God's great endeavor of creating humanity didn't quite go as it should. And look at what we can learn from that. So um, is there, do you, would you mind helping? Look at the very beginning of the Torah. We usually focus on the different days of creation, Adam and Eve, right? There's a many, many stories in that first Parsha. But at the very end of the first Parsha of the Torah, literally the last few verses, there's a fascinating, fascinating um, passage. And it goes like this. And God saw that human wickedness flourished on earth and how all the plans devised by their minds were nothing but evil all the time. I just want to point out here in translations, um, please don't worry that I don't know grammar. I purposely have been um, gender inclusive in my translations, so the there is my way of including, right? But God saw that all the people were evil and that their minds were devious all the time. And then this is the key, the next verse. We may have to share, I think there were about 50 copies, so if you have to share, um, that'd be great. The next, very next verse says, Vainachem Adonai ki asa et adam ba'aretz va'it yatsev el libo. And God regretted that God had made humans on earth and God's heart was saddened. It's actually a reflexive, a heat pa'el. God caused God's own heart to be sad. And then goes on, says that God says, I will blot out from the earth the humans whom I have created, humans together with the beasts, for I regret that I had made them. Think about how strong a statement that is. God regrets having created humanity. Now, we need to think about what was happening here, and please feel free to raise your hand if you have a question or something you want to add. But up until this point... Right, The two main stories that seemed to have happened there was the Garden of Eden, right? that Adam and ate from the tree of knowledge after being told not to, 
and Cain and Abel. And with those two human beings or those two human stories, God is just done and fed up. And God's ready to say, forget this enterprise. I should never have done this. I regret that I ever created humanity. What kind of response did that, does that elicit in you? Like, what, what, what's your thoughts in reading that? We kind of gloss over this verse often. Anybody? Yeah. The last straw, but anyone who's a parent would know, or anyone who has parents or has been around another human being would say, really? Like, that's like two little, two incidents in life and we're just done? That's the last straw? That God's just ready to give up on the entire enterprise of humanity? Yeah, please, Stevie, and then, oh. Okay, so that's going to go for 10 generations. That doesn't make me feel much better, but yeah. Oh. Great. I don't know if everybody could hear that, but he said that God could uh, make a mistake and see that God made a mistake. And if we see that God makes mistakes, um, then maybe we can feel better about, the, you know, knowing that we can go on after we make mistakes. We are going to come back to that, although it's interesting the the um, language of the Torah doesn't talk about mistakes. Right? Regret doesn't necessarily mean that I'm saying I made a mistake. It's saying I regret that this is happening. Right? In fact, quite the opposite in many of uh, lessons in communication, the way that you acknowledge that you're not to blame, but you want to acknowledge how someone else says is I regret that you're feeling this way. Right? Yeah, please. <laughs> Great. Okay. God is somehow in cognitive, the um, cognitive therapy, behavior, behavioral therapy. Great. Yeah. Rabbi Sh uh, Konigsberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. One last comment. Okay. So a recurring theme of whether or not God takes ownership, but here, this is like the very end of the first Parsha and God's pretty clearly saying, I regret what I did, whether that's ownership or that's anger or that's acknowledging mistake. We don't really know, but God's saying, I regret this. Now, for those of you um, who were wondering, wow, like, what do we do with the fact that this seems to be attributing emotions to God? Um, which feels a little bit anthropomorphic. It is. Um, but in case you're interested, the commentary from Radak from um, the um, 12th century into the 13th century here um, helps us just understand that, yeah, we're using that language. But just so you know, that's really human language because that's the only language that we can understand to use about God. That's pretty similar to what Rambam says, Maimonides. He says, like, we have to use human language because we don't know it. We as human beings don't really know any other language, but it's really difficult to ascribe human language to God, right? But I want us to keep going because this idea that God is somehow regretting what God does is to me very fascinating. And even just to think about regret at all. In fact, it's um, Mark Twain who taught us that if you think about 20 years from now, you're going to actually be more disappointed and regret the things you didn't do, not the things you did do. Right? Like, think about, like, all those things that we think we should have done, could have done, would have done, and we can all keep a long list of what those are, and somehow, like, you know, those are the things that we um, will remember later on, not the things that we did do. But let's look at the Midrash, because if you're looking carefully at this word, which is translated as God regretted, 
you're going to notice from your own knowledge of Hebrew, and the Midrash is going to remind us in a minute, that that actually can mean something else. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to read it. I usually like to have someone else read, but because of the sound, I'll read it, right? So Breshit Rabbah, which is the Midrash on the book of Genesis from about the first or second century, says, um, according to Rabbi Yehuda, God thought, this was my mistake. It really was a mistake that I created humanity at all. And I regret that I created humans on earth as terrestrial beings. And here he's so, um, focusing, says the Midrash, on the word ba'aretz, meaning I created human beings on earth. He's, so the Midrash goes on and says as if they're imagining this conversation that God is having with God's self and says, had I created them above, meaning in the heavenly world, they wouldn't have rebelled against me. In other words, if we human beings were more like angels, we would just follow whatever it is that God tells us to do. Right? That's one of the distinctions between humans and angels. Angels are given particular tasks with particular direction, and humans are endowed with free will and the ability to choose on our own. But it doesn't stop there because that's the, the opening of the Midrash. And then it goes on, it says, Amar Rabbi Ivu, right? That Rabbi Ivu says, I agree with this teaching. As if to say that um, God is reg regrets creating humans with a yetzer hara, with an evil inclination, that wild, untamed inclination. For had God not, they would never have rebelled against God. Right? Divine life would have, in essence, what he's saying is d divine life would have been much simpler without those pesky red devils on the human shoulder. That should really have been in italics. That's not in the midrash. That's my interpretation, right? That like had had the right like that little red devil that tells us to do what we're not supposed to, right? That somehow Rabbi Ivu is saying it would have been better if we had been created as angels, because then that little red devil wouldn't exist, and we would be following God's orders, right? And that is as he understands it, the way we interpret the Ve'yanachem as God regrets. Okay? But Rabbi Nehemiah is going to disagree. He says, No, I'm actually comforted. I'm consoled. Right? This is comforting because had I created them above, they would have been corrupt. They would have corrupted the angels. Right the, now, this is the part that should be in uh, italics. My little obedient puppets. I'm glad those humans can't actually corrupt them. So no regrets, just comfort. Now, what is this based on? That same verb, vayinachem, you might recognize from hamakom yinachem etchem betoch she'arav that may God comfort you along with all other mourners in Zion and in Jerusalem. It's the same exact Hebrew root. It can mean regret. It can mean comfort. Yeah. Yeah, it's also part of Nehemiah's name, who is the one commenting right now. Okay? So which is it? And why is it that then in the original verse, 
we might not read it as God was comforted that God had created humanity, even with the Garden of Eden, and even with Cain and Abel. Thoughts, comments, questions before I go on? Yeah, Stevie. Great, so, uh, great, but we're still arguing over whether God is regretting having created humans as God did in this, in Ba'aretz, or if God is comforted, but perhaps it's that God is saying, I'm comforted that I created them, and that's exactly what the next part of the Midrash says, right? Amar Rabbi Levi, like, I'm totally comforted and consoled by making human beings exactly as I did, finite and moral, right? And, um, and that is a source of comfort for God. I saw another hand, was it Dana? Yeah, Kenner Dana, sorry, right? Great, so that it, there any moment later in the future couldn't possibly be as bad as this one. So the other instances where we read of God perhaps considering destroying humanity are not as bad. And yet might also be because this already happened, not necessarily because they weren't uh, measurable de in degree as worse or better, but rather that God already had to face God's um, acknowledgement that it didn't quite go as God had thought it would. <laughs> okay, great, great. Not yet, not yet. Don't ever jump ahead yet. <laughs> okay, stop there, but I'll let you in a second. Hold on for one second, Marty. Um, so, but what we see in this midrash that I think is what you were starting to get to is there's no resolution. Vainachem to regret, Vainachem to comfort. The Midrash doesn't resolve it. Because guess what? Both can be true at the same time. Okay, Marty, my old friend and office mate. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe both can be true at the same time. We've, again, go back to the thing we were all thinking about at the beginning from our own life. It can be possible to regret what is happening and to somehow be comforted in the same moment, right? And so it's not, or one person might feel regretful by the same situation that might feel comforting to someone else. Yeah, Ned, welcome to the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a great question. That's a great, really great question, right? Are we somehow then saying that ours is an imperfect God? Are we somehow saying that perhaps, as I might read it, that when we read of God's um, reactions or God's emotions, once again, we're learning about our own experience more than we are about a God that we can't possibly know everything about because we're limited by human. But absolutely, it raises major theological questions. I saw Rabbi Kravitz's hand and then one more hand back there. Rabbi Kravitz first. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. It keeps happening. Right. Yeah. I think in some ways, just to answer the theological question that keeps coming up here, that when God tells Adam not to eat from Eitzchayim, from the tree of knowledge, that's the very moment when free will is created. 
right? Because what do we know? We know that Adam uses free will and makes the decision to do it. And God, God's self, doesn't really know what to do with when people exercise free will differently than God might want us to any more than when we look at another human being and wonder how they could be so silly to make the decisions that we can so clearly see it would be bad for them. Or the flip side of our own experience with God, when we say we believe in free will and we, we believe in the human endeavor, and then we see something happen in the world, and then we say, but wait, how can God let that happen? Right? So it's sort of the mirror image of this. Um, and we could talk about the theology all night. Um, but I want to, I'm going to take one more comment uh, back there. And then I want to go uh, get to the last text before we have to wrap up. Yeah. Okay. So you could turn it and say it's that God's regretting what we do. But the text of the Torah actually tells us that God regrets what God did. Right? Or God is comforted by what God did. And, and I want to just say that I, 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 you know, I think that both of those can be equally true. And yet they're not the only two understandings of this word vinachem. Because it turns out there's a third verse that uses the same word and it has a different meaning. So if you look on your page, you'll see you have the verse from Exodus 32. Anybody know what's happening around that time of the Torah? Now, what's happening in this part of the Torah in Exodus 32? The golden calf, right? This is the narrative of the golden calf. And it turns out that um, when God there is decided that God is going to wipe out all the people once again, that Moses has this conversation. And then we get this verse. That God renounced but reversed God's punishment that he planned to bring to the people. The same word, vinachem, now means God changed God's course, right? So you have vinachem to mean regret, vinachem to mean comfort, and vinachem can mean to redirect one's course. And I think, I'm going to let you make a comment. I know you've had your hand up a lot. Go ahead. No, no, no. Back in the corner. Sorry. Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay, I haven't gotten to the knowest part yet, but we will. Um, but I want to just say that I think you're right. These three words are each coming out of certain contexts. But imagine, like, we aren't going to solve all the questions about um, the, the God part. Um, and I at least buy into my own um, acceptance that I can't possibly know all that there is of God. But I can know the human language and how we understand it and what it then means for us. And what I take out of these three um, understandings is a real lesson for us about what it means to live in, in an experience that we ourselves may have created or chosen to do or found ourselves in where we regret something, might be comforted by it, but also um, learn to change our course because of it. And that is the human endeavor, right? When we're able to say, wow, how have I been, you know, take, we just had the high holidays, right? That's our, the whole theme. What have I done? What do, what's my behavior? And what 
Um, how do I allow myself to also be comforted? I'm not an evil or bad person because of it, but I can change my course. And I want to just um, say that this Noah verse is here because that's the very next verse after this, the, the verses in Genesis. And so it's almost as if what we're being told is that it's only after God's own heart or equivalent of what God's heart would really be is completely broken open that we can then read um, that Noah can find favor in front of God. Right? Noah is human, just like Adam was, just like Cain and Abel was. Yes, the Torah is going to tell, tell us Ishtam Hayabedorotav that he was a, uh, you know, Ishtadik Hayabedorotav. He was a, a righteous person in his own generation. Right? But that there's a way in which they're telling us that God, God's self is, um, like the experience of seeing humanity in all of our humanness cracked God's open and then allowed God to actually see Noah for um, who he could be and with the possibilities. And I want to leave us with that same blessing and same challenge to really be able to say, when I examine myself, when I examine my, my behavior, when I examine my actions, that I might well have moments when the very same action that I regret can be approached with a little bit of self-love and a little bit of comfort. And that that is the pathway through which we can direct ourselves to be different tomorrow and to see the possibility of our lives in new light. And I just want to add lastly that that's true as individuals, but I also think it's true in the collective that we live in as Jewish community. It's true in the collective that we live in, in organizational structures and the ability to reflect and to comfort and redirect is the only path that we can truly use to grow in the future in new ways that will make tomorrow better than today or yesterday. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.